Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Welcome to Making Headway Podcast. This is Aaron, And this is Mariah. And today, you just have the two of us. Surprise! So, surprise! <laughs> And we wanted to talk to you all a little bit about the Making Headway podcast mission. This is an exercise we did a few weeks ago during a planning session, and we thought it was worth sharing. It's on our website. You can always visit and check it out there. But the mission, as we have put it on paper, is sort of a three-pronged approach. One, to share brain injury-related information from multiple viewpoints without judgment. Two, to advocate for the brain injury community and three, to promote the open sharing of recovery journeys in the hope that it lends support to other survivors. I think actually it's important to acknowledge all three of those sort of bullet points beneath the mission. The, the first one is sharing brain injury related information from multiple viewpoints without judgment. It's worth, we, we have a disclaimer at the end of the podcast that says this, but sometimes you don't get to the end of the podcast. We totally get it. If you don't have our, you know, legal disclaimer memorized by now, we won't hold it against you. <laughs> but, you know, Aaron and I don't necessarily promote every single viewpoint that we talk about on this show. Uh, the idea is to make as many resources available to our listeners as possible, because I think we struggled during our recovery journeys and maybe still do less so now that we've talked to so many people, but, you know, to figure out what information is out there and to learn about what we're going through and learn about what our options are. Yeah. So that's like a we, super important one. It is. And we certainly aren't here to try to tell you what you should be doing or shape what your recovery journey should look like. That's for you to decide. So that's why, like, you know, we don't necessarily endorse anything. We're just out there representing different paths that are available. And yeah. that's for you to make exactly. an educated decision on. <laughs> yeah. We're here to try and help you, but it's still your job. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I <laughs> can't take that off your plate. <laughs> yeah. And then but. the second point is advocating for the brain injury community. I mean, that's us too. And we feel like it's a, a voice that needs to be heard. And so whatever we can do to continue to do that, we certainly will at this point. It's been educational. And, um, I think we've joked on episodes that we found ourselves like a part of a club that we never, you know, asked to be a part of, but here we all are. And the more of us who speak out and support each other, the better. And the third bullet point underneath the mission is promote the open sharing of recovery journeys in the hope that it lends support to other survivors. And, that means some of the stories we run through on the podcast are tough to listen to, and we totally understand. There have been one or two, actually, where we've considered recording a disclaimer just to warn people that it can get dark or a little bit heavy. But the idea is not to dwell in the hard stuff. I think, you know, we've said over and over, every brain injury story is a little bit epic, right? It doesn't come without an insane story. But making sure that we're taking those survivor stories and using them as inspiration or a reason to move forward or a beacon of hope. So yeah, it's please don't bad. ever feel like the story is meant to make you dwell in what you're going through in any way. Right. We What we hope really shines through is that we've all been through something that's traumatic and rather than 
sitting in the trauma too long. Like, yeah, you have to feel it, definitely. But, you know, what can you do with that? How can we move forward beyond it? And I know, you know, like both Mariah and I have really struggled with doing the podcast is amazing in so many ways. But when you're constantly revisiting what it is that happened and what in your life might be a result of brain injury, it it kind of, you know, if you're not careful, you can get stuck and be stuck in focusing on all that went wrong when, you know, we've had to be really careful ourselves and trying to shift that into how have we been able to use our experiences positively and how are we able to keep moving forward, like Chris Dietrich said. Yeah, we always go back to Chris Dietrich. Thank you, Chris. I love that moving forward. I know. I use it all the time. But I mean, on that note, I think, you know, the start of the podcast, for me, it was right around the two-year anniversary of, you know, my accident. And I found myself in a good way, re-piecing my story together and revisiting it because I hadn't really return to it for a while. So much time. Well, I mean, two years isn't that much time, but I felt like a lot of time had passed and a lot had happened since then. But I did find myself, like I said, re-piecing the story together, but then getting a little re-stuck in it and also finding myself questioning way more than usual. I forgot something is this must be the brain injury or, you know, things that maybe I wouldn't normally have actually (laughs) assigned as a result of the brain injury. Maybe what's the word I'm looking for? Blaming, I guess, more on it than I normally would because I just have been enmeshed in brain injury stuff because of the podcast. And, you know, we've loved doing the podcast. It's been, I think, on the whole, a really positive thing for us, but we just want to be open with you guys about, you know, our stories, where we're at. And we both, I think, had just sort of a little bit of a bump in the road as we tackled brain injury stuff every week. Because when you do a podcast every week, you talk about it a lot. Yeah. (laughs) You're constantly reflecting and trying to figure out what is it that we want to share? What is it, you know, where are we at? What are we thinking about? And, you know, it it reminds me of uh, Vanessa Woodburn's episode where she brought up the quote by Jim Quick if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was so poignant because right now I'm still, you know, I'm what, nine months. I don't know when this will air, but I was May 2020 when mine happened and we started this in October. So I was maybe six months out and still trying to figure out even what my limitations were. Like I was newly back at work trying to figure that out. And, you know, you need that sense of awareness when you're starting. But then when we had that episode with Vanessa, I realized I'm sitting here trying to place myself back into brain injury and into a state that I had actually moved beyond. And I was I was fighting for those limitations. I was trying to be like, well, I need to, you know, not do anything and sleep. And it was kind of providing me a crutch. And, you know, I wouldn't have done my recovery any other way. I'm very happy to have had this because so much positive has come out of having a community of people that understand what we're going through and a place to be able to talk about it. But again, you just have to be so careful with, is this really where I am now? Or was this something that I've moved beyond? Yeah, it's such like a fine dance, right, too, because you don't want to 
prevent yourself from having the rest that you really need. But at the same time, you don't want to, I don't want to say overindulge because that is not what I mean, but uh, maybe use it as a crutch Mm -hmm. that would prevent you from further recovery because you do need both of those things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think we talk a lot about how important rest is on the show, but you also can't ignore the fact that your body needs other things too. So yeah. And it's also one of those things that nobody else can give you an answer for. You have to define what is needed in that moment on that day. Um, But yeah. And I think that's another thing that this show has brought forth and it's really helped because I think when you, when you have an injury or you have something you have to go to the doctor for, you expect a fix. Like you expect them to be able to be like, this is what's wrong. This is what you need to do. This is what, you, you know, this is how you recover. Where with brain injury, it's just so different than that. Like it, it there isn't a simple fix and there's no one that's going to be able to give you the magic pill that's going to make it all better. And I think especially the mental health piece, like I was always searching for, okay, who's the right person for me to talk to that's just going to make it all feel better? No. That's, that doesn't, you know, there's people that'll help you, but that's, that's on you to make the choices to figure out. And I've learned that by talking with everybody, like that's a decision that they made. There is no one right answer, which is again, why we have this podcast so that we can share all the different ways that people were able to find what worked for them. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's been an interesting journey for both of us. Um, the podcast and how it has affected the, you know, the road to recovery in both of our respective positions. But one thing I noticed recently that I had never really thought about is the way it has affected my parenting being, you know, a brain injury survivor. And long story short, a couple of weeks ago, my son was sitting at our kitchen island and he toppled backward out of his stool and hit his head on a shelf behind him. And my immediate maternal instinct kicked in. And as soon as I was sure he was okay, mostly, I sort of calmed myself down and then immediately had like almost a second surge of adrenaline where I was like, oh my God, his brain. (laughs) And is his brain okay? And he didn't lose consciousness. He's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it rocked him a little, but he's, he's okay. It was, as far as we can tell, not a concussion and his doctor didn't think so either. But nonetheless, I certainly never would have had that second, you know, adrenaline rush pre brain injury. And it made me think about, you know, my son's really young. We haven't had to have a serious conversation about this yet, but what if he wants to play football? Do I feel comfortable with my son playing football? Reality is he could get a concussion playing any sport at this point. I can't wrap him in bubble wrap. He would not be a popular kid that way. I'm fine with him not being popular in general, but I think bubble wrap (laughs) might be a little extreme, a little hard to breathe through. (laughs) He would have no hope, but I definitely have some baggage because of my accident and because of my perhaps extreme paranoia about brain health at this point. And I think, you know, I shouldn't have been surprised, but it did surprise me that I was a little bit terrified about my son's brain. Well, I mean, I think that's that's natural, too. And maybe that speaks to some of the advocacy that we've done, like just thinking about those things, Mm -hmm. because had you not been through it yourself or not done the podcast, maybe you would have missed some signs that maybe there was a concussion. So Mm -hmm. 
I mean, yeah. on the flip side, that could have been a positive thing too, as long as it doesn't keep you up at night. Totally. <laughs> like worrying. It, totally. It just is one of, it was one of those yeah. situations where like, I definitely have weeks and weeks where I think, you know, like I have no brain injury baggage. I'm fine now, you know, two years have passed and I have moved on and, but clearly I have not. And perhaps the baggage just stays with you always. But yeah. I mean, I think that that is an interesting conversation too, is brain injury baggage in general. And to our note earlier about telling the story, but not remaining in the negative, you know, turning the baggage around and making it something positive. So, I mean, hopefully it makes me a, you know, a better parent because I will be paranoid about concussion, (laughs) but but I think we all have things like that, that we'll carry with us as a result. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's been a big thing that I've been trying to do is it's so easy to think of what's wrong and to think of what's what you don't like about yourself or what you could do better on. And that's all good if it's motivating you to move forward. But I kind of get stuck in that and feel like I'm helpless, you know, that I'll never get out of this little hole that I've created or thing situation that I'm in. So my coach that I'm working with actually has flipped that for me. And she's like, what do you like about yourself? Like, can you think of positive things that you actually appreciate and maybe just start focusing on that, like focus on the joy and that really, it really does help. Like going into a meeting, if I'm just thinking, oh, they're not going to hear what I have to say. I'm too, you know, I'm not put together enough. I'm not whatever. Then of course that's what's coming out. But when you go in being like, you know, I share a different viewpoint I have something that I can contribute, whether they're going to agree to it or not is up to them. This is what it is. It really, it helps. (laughs) It's hard to keep up with, but. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I've seen a lot in brain injury support groups online and um, some of the subreddits about brain injury is a lot of people grappling with coming to terms with the fact that they might never return to the way they were pre brain injury and uh, mourning it because I totally think that there's a grieving process that goes along with it. I certainly went through my own mm-hmm. trying to figure out, should they hold on to hope that they'll be exactly like they were pre-brain injury? Should they let it go? And I think that that is a really tough struggle, honestly, because there is no answer for somebody, you know, because every brain injury is different. Nobody can say, yes, you'll go back to the way you were. Nobody can say, no, you won't go back to the way you were. Also, you might do it over the span of many years. It might not be a quick thing. And it's also a hard thing as a fellow survivor, because, you know, some of us have returned quickly. Some of us have not. And it's impossible for us to tell you our story and say, yes, this is exactly how it's going to be. It's It's just, I would, yes, it's so individual. I would say that's one of the hardest things, um, the hardest questions to come up because there's just not an answer to be given. And I've, I've found now, like I have to stop this whole pre and post brain injury, I I have just have to stop those comparisons altogether because really it's putting me to either live in the past and consider, you know, all the things that happened back then, or it's forcing me to live in the future and worry about all the things that could be where really I have no ability to impact either one of those. It's true. <laughs> I only have this present moment. 
So I just, I, that's how I've had to deal with that is that I can affect right here, right now. And that's it. That's the only moment I have. Yeah. So yeah, changing to that. And I don't even know if I'm saying this right, but changing my perspective to just being more mindful in the moment and to stop the comparisons has worked for me or is working for me. I shouldn't ever, I don't don't want anyone to ever listen and think that I've made it because I don't feel like I have. (laughs) It's a continual journey. Like this is something we're learning and working on every day. Well, also a good reminder to our listeners. We talk a lot about the people who say, you know, oh, you look normal. Well, we, you hear us, you know, on the podcast, we might sound normal or mostly normal, you know, but we definitely have our own issues. So please don't think we sound normal. We're better. Yeah. (laughs) We've got our own stuff we're going through. I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's 2020 and having survived 2020 or if it's brain injury or if it's just the point I'm at in my life, but I feel like I've sloughed off a lot in the past couple of years and I've stopped caring as much about the pre-brain injury, post-brain injury me. I just am who I am. I was me then and I am me now. And this might be a little bit different to the people who observe or talk to me on a regular basis, but I just am me. (laughs) And I sort of, sort of have stopped caring what other people think about that too. I just, you know, Mm. it's, you're going to get what you get. As my son would say, uh, here's another preschool lesson for you. You get what you get and you don't get upset. (laughs) You get what you get and you don't get upset. I Mm -hmm. love that. (laughs) I really do. He doesn't like it when you say it back to him, though. (laughs) He just wants to say it to you. But but anyway, you know, like it's a it's okay to not measure that, in my opinion, and not, you know, look at pre-brain injury you as a standard to be met. Exactly. Just be where you are, whatever it looks like. Yep. Yep. I agree. That's been really a huge lesson because I think I was always trying and even still, I'm always trying to like live up to this expectation of what I can't even really name it. I just, I always feel like, well, I need to be better. I need to do better. I need to No, you can just be, just Mm -hmm. be here. And that's, that's been really eye-opening and something I don't know that I would have figured out. <laughs> yeah. Did you, you said you ordered, where's the mango princess, right? I've ordered it. It mm-hmm. um, has a nice spot on my bedside table right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have been reading very slowly. So you I should see the stack on my bedside table. Well, yeah. I, so in our interview with Holly Kostreski, who is our new best friend, little does she know, she mentioned Where is the Mango Princess as a book that she recommended to other survivors. I finished it a couple of weeks ago, and it was so helpful to me to read. Uh, on the one hand, the so it's written by Kathy Crimmins, who was the caregiver for a brain injury survivor. She's since passed, but it's her story of watching her husband's recovery from a very acute traumatic brain injury, far worse than mine. But nonetheless, I could relate to so many parts of it, especially I really appreciate she brings so much humor to it because I think in hindsight, you can have a laugh every once in a while, maybe not in the moment, it's a, <laughs> but, right. but in hindsight, telling the story, it was appreciated that she kept her sense of humor. But there were so many moments in that that I related to and so many that made me ask questions about my recovery journey 
And I um, to say that was one of the recovery stories that I've witnessed thus far that really helped me progress. So I will ditto Holly's recommendation of Where's the Mango Princess and recommend that if you've had anything similar that you go check it out. And when I finally get done the book I'm on and get onto that one, (laughs) I can report back. (laughs) I'm excited to read it though. Yeah. Sounds like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it like there were chapters where I had to stop reading early because it was heavy and there were chapters where I couldn't put it down because it was entertaining and really interesting. So, yeah. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've, I also have a big stack of books on my bedside table, but one of the ones that I'm really interested in getting started is called This Is Your Brain on Food. Um, Ooh. The relationship between food and the brain. That'll be awesome. Yeah. And so we... I'll report back. Yeah. I know nutrition here has been a big topic for a lot of our listeners. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you learn anything cool, let's talk about that. Do. People I'm love it. I'm by no means a professional, but... Right. But we can talk about <laughs> I know I've been doing the um, four colors on my plate or trying to at least have four colors on my plate. Mm-hmm. It was really helpful guidance from Susanna, it, I have to say. It really was. Mm-hmm. And it's actually pretty easy to do. I thought it would be hard, but especially if you have frozen vegetables, just throw handfuls of this and that in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times you don't really taste, you know, it doesn't change the flavor. It just adds more nutrients. Yeah. My Christmas present from Nat was a wok. Oh, And I have to say, sorry for the weird (laughs) foodie tangent, but it's really helped with the addition of vegetables to meals. So stir fries is just throw more vegetables in. It's definitely helped mix things up in my household. And also I now keep a bowl of blueberries in my fridge no matter what, because you can just grab a handful of blueberries when you need a snack and they're very good for the brain. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing that. I've been, my breakfast, I have blueberry, raspberry, and then a banana, and then another fruit in a bowl with some nuts and some yogurt. So that's getting four colors. And then, yeah, your stir fries. Chili, you can actually add a lot of veggies into chili without Mm. really tasting it. I did um, squash and carrots, and then there's already tomato and beans. And you don't, it really doesn't change the flavor. It just adds more nutrient. Or any soup. You can add a lot of veggies into soup father would poo poo (laughs) my dad (laughs) believes that chili should be the way it's done in texas and there should be nothing but meat nothing but meat like in in uh new england there's a lot of beans in chili and he believes beans have no place in chili really (laughs) i'm a new england girl so that's how i've grown (laughs) actually so one of the cookbooks that I've been leaning on recently is called The Defined Dish. And it's, I I probably have told you about it, but I I think I've cooked two thirds of the recipes in the cookbook. It's supported or embraced by the Whole30 community because she has a lot of options for converting recipes to Whole30 if they're not already that way. And they are delicious. So good. She's got, she's from Texas. The author's from Texas. I think her name is Alex Snodgrass and she has all kinds of cool tacos and there's like a turkey taco dip that my son is obsessed with the fact that he can have chips with his dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she has all kinds of like, she has a curried pot roast and really cool. She has a beautiful Instagram. She does. Yes. Yeah. 
That's always very inspiring. I think I have done some of her dishes from Instagram. I don't have her book, but they're so good. It's always fun to do. Yeah. I mean, we are learning a lot through our podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely helped. And I know we kind of got into like the negative parts of revisiting our trauma, but what are, do you have any other positive things that you've really been able to pull? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the stage I'm in is trying to just embrace where I'm at. So, and for me, that's been mostly mental and emotional. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to make sure that I take some time during every day where I'm doing something for my mental state. And so sometimes that means drawing. Sometimes that means yoga. Sometimes that means another form of exercise. And we both joined Love Your Brain Love Yoga. Your brain. Yep. Yeah. It's great. Um, and have had our first session. I think that that is a really nice approach. Did you do your homework? I have not yet. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say. You're an overachiever. I just had mine on Friday. (laughs) Well, so the homework from for the first class was the focus on resilience and the, there was a meditation and a video on the importance of resilience. And there was a yoga nidra, I think it's called meditation Mm -hmm. for falling asleep. Did you do that one? No, I have not, but I've done yoga nidra in the past. Okay. I had never done it before. And also when I saw Yoga Nidra on there, I was like, oh boy, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I did the first Yoga Nidra meditation a couple of weeks ago and I had like the best night of sleep I've had in a really long time. I use CBD almost every night for sleep and I didn't use it that night because Mm -hmm. I did the meditation and fell quickly off to sleep and woke up the next morning and I was like, I've feel fantastic. Isn't it nice? (laughs) Relaxing all the different parts of your body. It really was. Yeah. Um, So, and I've always really struggled with meditation. I can never quite turn my brain off. I just, I, I really just have trouble with it. I, you know, like I think because the way my days are, I, I go a million miles a minute. And then when you tell me I need to stop, I can't put the brakes on. I have trouble with that too, which is why I try to do meditation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, doing that yoga nidra, I was like, clearly this works. So maybe I need to start trying to do this a little more. And I have the Calm app on my phone. Have you Mm -hmm. tried that? Yep. Yeah. So I started a like meditation 101 class on Calm and I'm only like three in. I can't do it every morning. Um, My days just don't work that way. But, but one of the things I was reading about meditation is is that it is like a muscle that you have to exercise. And I have already noticed after three of the sessions that I've gotten a little better at sort of wiping my thoughts clear once they come. So for me getting back into work, because I'm just like that too, like I just don't stop. And I'm still, I'm not going to say that I'm good at it, but when I do remember to take a break, I'll go down into our chapel and that's when I try to do like a meditation, whether it's guided or just trying to deep breathe, recenter, stop thinking about the million different things that I could do or would do or, you know, and where am I right now? Let's just be right here. Yeah, that's smart. It helps. It really does help. Another good meditation one that's free is Insight Timer. Have you ever done that one? No. It has yogas. It has different meditations. I think it has other workouts too. And it's just a bunch of people sharing their work. That one's really cool. cool. Yeah. Headspace is yeah. good too. I um, 
I just, I, I've always struggled with it, but I feel a lot more positive about being able to do it now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I should try it in the middle of the day because that's when I've been trying to take breaks. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to clear my headspace in the middle of the day because I've spent all morning working on mm-hmm. stuff. And then again, like putting the brakes on might be hard, but I've just, I've, I always struggle this time of year because we live in new England and the sun's just not that out, out that much. And the snow has been cranking and it's cold. And I, I'm originally from Texas and I, (laughs) I love the heat. And my mom has always told me that I'm like a cat. Like I, I like to like curl up in the sun. Yeah. Maybe I'm cold-blooded. I don't know. But this time of year is really hard for me. And normally I would love to, you know, take a walk in the middle of the day. But if it's cold, I just have trouble getting myself out. So mm-hmm. it's been helpful to find other things. Yeah. Help. But yeah, we we did order an exercise bike, not a Peloton, a step down. But <laughs> that's coming next week. So Wow, it still hasn't I'll, come. Yeah, well, oh, my gosh. Well, because of the coming. pandemic, everybody's ordered one. So it's mm-hmm. taken forever. But so I'll report back on that and see how that's helped my exercise situation. But yeah. I ran this weekend. I ran yeah. three miles. That's Woo-hoo. awesome. Yeah. For those of you who have not huh? have not heard us, Erin and I were slash are. I, I'm not willing to say I'm not a runner anymore. I still consider myself a runner, even though I'm not as committed as I once was. But are runners. Runner, always a runner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Erin's been on a journey back been trying I still have not got a consistent habit down but that's another thing like working out now is more about what feels good rather than having this huge goal like I need to be running a half marathon by May like Mm -hmm. no no I'm not doing that I'm just yeah you know exercise can be such a time to like body shame yourself and it actually then has the reverse effect on your mental health because then you just end up feeling bad. Mm-hmm. So I am just now all about like what will make my body feel good right now. That's what I do. And I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not sore. So I didn't work hard enough or, ooh, look at my butt. It doesn't look as firm as I want it to. Like, mm-hmm. I just or, oh, I, I haven't gone five days in a row. So I'm just mm-hmm. off the train. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what gets me is I either I'm on a schedule or I'm not doing it at all. And I've come to live in the gray area at this point with my own running. So yep. you know, like I might go weeks without running and that doesn't mean I'm not going to run. It just means I'm not there right now. And let me just say, that's what I did for this three miles. <laughs> I'd been doing like one, then I'd worked up to two, then it snowed. So I stopped running for like two or three weeks. I ran another one and then Troy's just like, hey, let's try it. And I was able to do it, but it's been inconsistent and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Have you had to, I mean, listeners, so Aaron had a subarachnoid hemorrhage after a workout. Have you had to fight through any fear in terms of running? Absolutely. Yes, I wasn't running when I had my bleed, but anytime there's like an increase in pressure in my body that it like puts pressure on my head and I can feel it in a different way. And I have no idea if this is just a mental thing or if it's an actual like brain injury effect, but it like, I feel the pressure and then Mm -hmm. it makes me start thinking like, Oh no, am I doing something bad? Like what's going on? What's happening? And they assure me there's nothing there that's going to pop again and that I'm fine. But there is that trauma piece, like getting back into working out and not 
being as scared. Like you can be, there's a difference between caution and fear. I think we talked about that in an episode with somebody. And, you know, caution is worth listening to because you need to keep yourself safe. Fear is what keeps you from doing things. That's like the gremlin in your head that's like, no, 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 just stay Mm -hmm. right here and dwell in your whatever you're dealing with. And I'm really having to distinguish between the two. And I think a lot of what I feel when I run is just fear. It's not it's not like a sit caution safety thing. Yeah, it's almost like the echo of your brain injury, just Mm -hmm. sort of like whispering its presence, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like my second, you know, adrenaline rush after my son. It's like the, it's just the ripple effect or just like the gentle reminder that like that's still with you somehow. Right. But yeah. And it's still there. Who knows where we'll be like 10 years from now, you know? I know. What will the conversations be like? (laughs) Making headway 2031. Right. (laughs) (laughs) that's a long way out let's stay in the here and now will we yeah yeah yeah. i don't want to think about that either yeah well what else has been going on with you i mean how's work going yeah it's going pretty well definitely i i struggle with self-judgment and always being like i should be i should be i should be but i can't define what that should be is so you know my therapist and my coach I have both now because <laughs> I need I feel like You've I've needed an extra team. layer of support exactly yeah you know they're challenging me to if you can't define what this thing is maybe you're it and you need to just settle into what you are and that I can been, totally relate to that <laughs> oh, it's huge and yes there's always ways that you can improve your performance you can improve at work but taking them all on at once or trying to take on this like three-headed monster that you can't even truly define is not helpful. So I'm just trying to be here. I'm trying at work to what can I do to influence the situation right now rather than thinking if I do this, it's going to set this precedent and that and I'm going to set this chain of events. No, let's just stay in the present. Um, I know I've said this a million times, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. And dealing it, with that fear factor piece. <laughs> it goes back to like almost the you get what you get thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've gotten to the point where, so I run my business. I own a marketing agency. I've always worked on the client service side of marketing. So I am the one who manages client relationships. I do a ton of project management. I manage timelines. I manage you know teams. I make sure things get produced on time. Um, I provide strategy, but Something that, well, a couple things that I've always struggled with, but are worse pre-accident for me are keeping my books. I've always hated bookkeeping in general. It's just not my forte. And when you're a business owner, you have like 50 zillion things on your to-do list. And usually the things you like the least drop to the bottom always. And so when that's bookkeeping, it's not great (laughs) (laughs) because your business needs its books to be kept. So I finally hired a bookkeeper. Oh, Because I was like, you know what? Let's just be real here. I hate this. I'm not ever going to be a bookkeeping genius. So Mm -hmm. let's give this job to somebody who is very good at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did that. And I'm also at the point with project management where I'm just not as detail oriented as I once was able to be. I just, you know, like I can't quite juggle the same way I once did. I have more attention issues than I once did. So 
I'm not always the best person to be doing certain jobs. And one of those is project management at this point. So I'm at the point where I feel like I need to start to offload some of that from my plate too. So I can do the things that I am good at Mm -hmm. and I have to be okay with that. I, you know, that I just, my strengths are a little bit different and that's okay. So yeah, it's that reliance on team rather than trying to be the everything I think. Yeah. And I just want to be clear in my role too, like, yeah, I'm a nurse, but I'm not the bedside nurse. I help support the work in making sure that we're producing care that's as safe as possible. So when I say, you know, like thinking of something and setting a chain of events, like, yeah, you need to think like that as a nurse. You need to think about this impact is going, you know, this thing that we do here could have all these different effects. In my role, it's like that too. And when I'm making patient care, you know, suggestions and that, yes, I need to think that way. But what I'm talking about is like how if I make this decision in my career right now, it's going to impact my career in such a way that, you know, it's going to make it harder for me to move forward or blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't need to worry about that stuff. Like, that's what I was doing was I was thinking too far into the future of how my role is going to progress and change and that. So just staying focused on what you actually need to do to survive the moment rather than, you know, all the million things that could happen maybe sometime in the future. (laughs) I think there's also something very beneficial to just being real about where you are with yourself, with your coworkers, because recognizing strengths and weaknesses, brain injury or not, is a really important thing. But I think the second you come to terms with the fact that like, like for me, you know, I am no longer as able to juggle multiple projects at once as I once was. Being able to acknowledge that to myself and to the people around me has been helpful because it means that they know what to be mindful about, about me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just think it's sort of been helpful for me, but also my team. Yeah, I agree. The people pleasing has been a big thing for me. Um, oh, and I'm so glad I remembered this because it keeps coming up throughout this conversation and I keep forgetting to talk about it. I, I have this idea that it really doesn't matter what I need. I need to fill a role for somebody else. And if I don't feel like I'm pleasing them, even if they haven't told me that, then my, you know, I start beating myself up. So this whole idea of people pleasing has been one that just keeps coming up, coming up, you know, prior to brain injury, after brain injury. But now I'm forced to deal with it because we don't, you know, I don't have the energy that I once did to try to fill holes for everyone. And honestly, here I was thinking I was doing it so well. And in reflection, I was just wearing myself ragged and I don't think anyone was feeling a benefit from it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've had to be really like clear with myself that my perceptions of what I'm doing to, you know, fill this gap for someone else is probably not all that important in the grand scheme. So let's actually do what's going to be pleasing to myself so that I'm coming in whole and actually able to perform a function. That's a very good point. Yeah. I also have this uh, tendency and I was probably the most surprised person when my therapist told me I was a people pleaser. I was like, I am not. And then, you know, 
mm-hmm. months and months of therapy. I'm like, I totally am. Uh-huh. Isn't <laughs> um, it crazy? <laughs> it is. Yeah. And it's not something I'm super proud of because I, I feel like it's important to prioritize yourself. It's important to respect your own boundaries and create your own boundaries. And that's something that I think in the past year I've done a lot better with myself is defining what I am not okay with people asking me for and saying no. Mm-hmm. Like I've had to practice. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, but no. <laughs> lots of no's. Um, and it's still really hard for me to do, but I, you know, I think boundaries, we've talked about this a bit on the podcast before, but it's just something that if you are recovering from anything, in my opinion, that needs to be your priority. You need to be your own priority. Mm -hmm. And that means you're going to have to say no to people a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. And it's not selfish as selfish. No, like I I was really raised, you know, I'm a caretaker at heart. Like even as a little kid, I'm the oldest of four kids. And I, you know, took my siblings under my wing is how I felt like I needed to take care of everybody. So that's just natural. But I think you also get kind of raised into that, like considering others needs before yourself. Which, yes, I, I agree that we need to be kind and we need to think of others. But if you haven't put your own um, mask on, you know, if in the airplane, when the mask fall, if you haven't put your own on, you can't help anybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's that's been a huge thing to try to consider and not feel selfish for doing. That's a really good analogy. The airplane mask one. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely struggled with that quite a bit. I think because my default mode is like project management. I do it at work. That's my profession is I manage projects pretty much. I am the communicator. I am the connective tissue between departments. I do that with my family too. And I, about a year ago, decided I was going to remove myself from that job role in my family. Um, So if it means, you know, I'm not the person who talks to every person in the family about when they can take a vacation and gets us all on the same page then there might be no family vacation, but I can't always play that role, right? It's not healthy for me to be doing that. I don't have the energy to give for that role at this point, and it's not really fair for it to be asked of me either. So that's definitely something that is different about my approach. And what I've found is when you do put those boundaries up and when you move yourself out of a role you have filled for potentially years, maybe even decades, People don't like that at all. They don't like change. And that's totally understandable. I'm saying that as someone who does not like change myself. But mm-hmm. once they adjust, it just tends to be better for everyone mm-hmm. because they then step up for themselves. Exactly. And I think it allows for growth too, is what I've noticed. Like, yes, some boundaries have changed throughout the years of how my relationship is within my family and what my role is within my family. I think we all have, but it allows, you know, us to grow and it allows each person to grow. My younger siblings were kids when I went to college, you know, like they, I can't treat them the same way or expect the same. Like we have to allow our relationships to evolve and for us to all be adults and fill different pieces. Because if you don't, you could be missing out on a really great part of someone in your family that, you never even knew existed because you've been existing in this old paradigm. So it's true. And it is a hard thing to 
uh, it's uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. uncomfortable, Yeah. Because, you know, you, especially sibling dynamic, um, Mm -hmm. speaking from personal experience, like you sit in this one spot in a sibling dynamic for a long, long time. And the reality is as you grow, you become adults and you are not the same person you were when you were 10, hopefully, Mm -hmm. Hopefully. (laughs) you know, maybe basically you are, but you know, you have to allow yourself to change. You have to allow your siblings to change. You have to allow your relationship to change. And that's a really hard thing Mm -hmm. to do. Honestly, it Um, almost is like a, um, identity crisis. Because yeah. when when the roles shift within your family, even with your parents too, like as you grow, you know, they're less, they're always your parents, but they're not parenting you anymore mm-hmm. as much as they may still want to. And it's, it's, I think it's a hard thing for everyone to adjust to, but just being aware of it and remaining flexible has been way better than trying to stay within this rigid construct but it does, it does make me wonder, like, who am I? And you feel that kind of distress, like, what is this? Who am I? How will it be in the future? And again, that's just another time of let's focus on where we are now and what we need now, rather than me worrying about what it could do in the future. Like, if relationships are meant to be, they will be. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tough, though. It is it tough. Is- And I'm always searching that outer form of validation. I think that's where the people pleasing comes in and even boundaries. I'm always searching for, okay, I put up that boundary or I did that thing for that person. Now, where's the validation? Like I I need to know that I did a good job or else then I feel bad. Yeah. And that's been a huge journey in learning that I don't need someone else to tell me that what I'm doing is okay. I need mm-hmm. to be okay with what I'm doing. And as Troy always says, and he's going to love that I say this, enjoy the journey. Just yeah. enjoy each step of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a tough one for a people pleaser. And mm-hmm. I've, speaking for myself, I feel like I've gotten past a lot of that in terms of uh, needing validation, except for I am a 37-year-old woman who still needs my parents' validation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I still look to my parents for love and confirmation that they think I'm doing well because all, deep down, I'm still the kid who wants them to be proud. Everybody and, wants mommy or daddy to say I'm yeah, proud of you. Yeah. So that's that's the piece that I still struggle with. But, I do yeah. too. And as our relationships change and, you know, where they're going and how they'll be, like, yeah, we just can't worry about that. Yeah, it's true. This so, conversation took an interesting turn, but I'm glad I, that it well, did. Well, so does life, Erin. Right? I know. Another <laughs> thing we've learned with brain injuries. <laughs> As Troy says, enjoy the journey. <laughs> it's a journey and it's a really yeah. twisty road. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of journeys, we also wanted to remind you, our listeners, that we are so grateful for your support on our podcasting journey and so glad you've joined us. This has been an incredible journey for us as we've figured out how to podcast, how not to say so many ums, mm-hmm. how to find speakers, all that good stuff. And yeah, we we're not professionals. We are not <laughs> we're professionals. We're figuring this out as we go. This is a passion project for us. So a couple ways that we thought we would remind you to support us if you're liking what you hear from us. Number one, leave us 
a review on iTunes. It's important to us. It probably will take you two seconds. You don't even have to write anything. Just give us a couple stars. If you don't think we deserve five, totally fine. Although we would love five, I think. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There are a couple other ways. Follow us on social media. On Instagram, we are at Making Headway Podcast. On Facebook, we are at Making Headway Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Making Headway PO because you can't write podcast. (laughs) We also, (laughs) you can also support us um, in our show notes. Um, Whenever we mention a book or a product, we don't get any kickback from that book or that product. But what we do get is if you use the link that's in the show notes, it brings you to Amazon. And we we do get a little um, kickback from that. So if you use our links, that would be great if you want to support us. Also, another shameless plug on our website, makingheadwaypodcast.com. You can choose to donate if you'd like to. Again, 10% of all proceeds will be given to a brain injury nonprofit of our choice. And the rest will go to covering our ongoing subscriptions and bills to help us make this podcast happen. And I think most importantly, the best way to support us is share with a friend. If you know someone who is dealing with brain injury recovery or concussion recovery or is a caregiver, please share. The more of this that gets out there, the better for all of us. We're always here. So connect with us, like Mariah said, on social media. We'd love to get to meet you and learn more about you. Absolutely. All right, folks. I think that's all from us today. Yep. It's been a it's been a journey. <laughs> it has. This is Aaron signing out for Making Headway Podcast. Bye guys. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean.